0: Welcome back to Ear Thoughts with me, Kira. And me, Harry. This week we'll be talking about poems, the afterlife and the BBC. Right, let's get into it. So, I've not seen you for a while now, Harry. I say this, I probably saw you like two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. But the the thing is, with lockdown easing up and everything, I do see you quite a lot now. Yeah and we were saying the other day that um we'd quite like to go play some golf. Yeah. But the only issue be the only issue being is that the weather is quite um temperamental right now. Sometimes it's really nice and then sometimes like today it's just overclass overcast and a bit bit rainy. Yeah. But I my favorite TV show I think has gone back to being afterlife by Ricky Gervais and The reason being is that not many um, TV programs or films or anything really can make me kind of well up, and yet it seemingly does every time. Okay. So it's about, if you don't know what it's about, it's about kind of the main character's wife died of cancer, and he's really struggling to um, kind of deal with it and he goes to therapy and stuff like this and his dad as well has really bad dementia so that upsets him as well but it's kind of his journey from being somebody that kind of struggles with things to being um i'd say more okay but even then it's quite a difficult place that he's come in from yeah but the the reason i mention this is that there was a quote in um the program last night which i've written down because i think it's quite a nice quote and that is, in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on, which is by Robert Frost, and it kind of made me think a lot about um, quotes and poems in general. And I, I'm not sure about you, but I have quite a. Um, I I think it's really impressive people who can kind of recite such quotes from memory. I
1: can't. I know a couple of quotes, but nothing
0: like nothing think,
1: actually useful
0: yeah but i think people who can um say such quotes for certain situations come across as being quite i don't know what the right word is um intellectual maybe yeah i just think it's i just think it's it's really especially cuz there's so many poems and so many quotes nowadays that there's almost a quote for every situation yeah and I don't know about you, but have, have you ever tried to write a poem, Harry?
1: Not when I've not been forced to in school.
0: Yeah, because I kind of... It, it fascinates me for poems. I think they're really... Um, the, the way that they're written is quite eloquent, right? But I've sat down and I've tried to write a poem and it's gone horrifically wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got people who use, like, uh, I mean, you've got rhymes, you've got limericks, you've got all sorts. But when I write, it's kind of like this thing is like this thing. And it sounds very um, year nine, you know? Yeah. But I was thinking a lot about poems and quotes. And the question I want to ask you is do you have a favourite quote?
1: Um, a favourite quote? I don't think so. I mean, there are ones that I quote a lot from Hot Fuzz. And the office, yeah. yeah. Um, quote from anything else? Oh, and *How I Met Your my, Mother*.
0: The my favorite um, kind of quote from *The Office* is, I can't to be honest, I can't really remember it. It's a speech that Jim does. I think it's in the last season of it, um, and it's to Dwight about Angela. And it's quite, and then and it kind of goes to um uh kind of a flashback of pam and jim and it's actually quite sweet but then i also quite like like this is a quote but you know the scene where with kevin and his um his chili yeah yeah that's that's quite funny yeah i mean
1: mean, mine's just mine's simple mine's that's what she said
0: yeah yeah I, i quite like um We're we're going to talk about The Office for a bit now, but uh, my favourite character, I think I've said this before, is Creed. I just think he's really, you know, there's a bit where they um, do the, um, they play that murder game, right? What is it? Um, Is it, is it like Dallas or something like this?
1: I can't, I remember they played it because they were trying to take the mind off um, an inspection or something. Or wait yeah. for the results of an inspection or something.
0: Yeah, my fa- my favourite bit in that is when Creed comes in late and Michael goes, um, there's been a murder. <laughs> Creed goes, right, give me one sec, and gets in his car and like drives off. Yeah. I, I think but, my
1: favourite ones, um, I can't remember what they're talking about, but it's, there's some train on the ball, and it's like, strike, scream, run. So he just hits yeah. the nearest person, <laughs> screams, and runs out the room. I,
0: th- I think he hits Meredith, yeah. screams, and then runs away. Yeah, he's quite a peculiar character, but uh, I find that quite a lot of things use quotes from poems within media as well. So, like even in The Office, for example, they have like, um, what's a good example? You know, Pam and Jim's wedding. They have um, and now remains hope faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love so i think that with things like poems and quotes is it quite it's quite old i'm gonna go with old-fashioned because not a lot of people our age really read poems as such do we no it's not really our our thing but we do hear a lot of kind of famous poems and stuff like this from the things we watch. Yeah. So I think it's quite it's quite nice how that we're still learning from poems and we're well not learning, I don't know what the right word is, but we're still hearing about these sort of things but in a different medium. Yeah. But the the next section I was going to do was on a dream I had last night, right? So I'll, I'll give you the basics and then I'll ask you a couple of questions. So I, I went to bed last night and I got to sleep and I had a dream that basically I'd passed away. Right? It's, not, it's not a sad dream, but the foundations of it was that i passed away and I'd gone to kind of a heaven. And all that was there was this guy who said to me, um, rather than kind of going to a heaven or an afterlife... You'll go. You can go back to Earth, but you choose kind of a different fictional universe, and then go live in that universe. Right. It's quite a weird yeah. dream. Yeah. So the question I wanted. So I think at the time I chose the Harry Potter universe, right. So I went back down, and it's. I woke up and I was thinking, what on earth does this mean? Because the thing with dreams is we're not really sure what they are. But I kind of my question to you is, what kind of universe would you like to live in if you kind of had that kind of situation?
1: Um, I don't know. Uh, Phineas and Ferb would be interesting.
0: What if you were kind of one of Phineas and Ferb's friends?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, somehow they're like ten-year-old kids who somehow have an unlimited monetary budget and the engineering skills and science skills of PhD, university lecturers with 10 years in every relevant subject. I'd just love to do something like that.
0: Yeah, because I think it's, it's always interesting to imagine what life would be like in a world that was fundamentally different to our own. So when, when we watch TV shows, we think, oh, what would we do, for example, in a zombie apocalypse or if everybody disappeared, which we have discussed on a podcast previously. Yeah. But kind of what would you do in the a Harry Potter universe or a Star Wars universe? And I, I find that in reality, there's a lot of logistics that go with it, you know, because kind of, A, would you remember all of your stuff from your past kind of life? Would it would it would it be in your Phineas and Ferb universe? Would it be you as you are now going to hang out with them? If you know what I mean.
1: Uh, I think it'd be like a version of me going there, but I wouldn't know that this version of me exists. So elements of my personality are there, but like I don't know like any friends from this side or like what I've done at this side. Like yeah.
0: Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking. So obviously, in my dream I'd chosen the Harry Potter universe, which I'm I'm a big fan of the Harry Potter books, as you can probably tell. But my I, I woke up about it and I was thinking about it because the issue with dreams is that if you don't think about them, as soon as you wake up, most likely you'll forget them. Yeah. And the only reason I'm kind of remembering a lot of what I've happened now is because when I woke up, I wrote it down. <laughs> so, my the issue what I woke up is like if that actually had happened if I'd died in that sleep gone to a heaven chosen to be in a Harry Potter universe I might just come down and not have I I might not be a wizard you know I might just be a normal person but living in a world where there is all of this stuff (laughs) in the same vein as like if you chose a Star Wars universe there's no guarantee that you're not going to just be uh in poverty on a planet in the middle of nowhere you know
1: just one of those square droids that goes around the. I don't. I've never seen the films. I don't have a clue. I'm just going. have never seen. No, I'm just going from ne- the Lego games. One of the square. Ne- one of the square things from the first game. Oh yeah. Yeah, one of those.
0: Have you never seen the Star Wars
1: films? No.
0: Because I felt guilty. Because for about 16 years, I'd never seen the Lord of the Rings films. Never seen. And any. then one time, to- one time, I decided to just sit down and watch them. Or Harry Potter. I mean, they- You've not seen...
1: No. Or Star Trek. Um,
0: I've not seen that much Star Trek, to be fair. Who else
1: can I offend by saying I've not seen my favourite film? Pixar films. Barely seen any Pixar films.
0: Have you seen Cars? I've seen Cars. Have you seen Finding Nemo?
1: Yes. I think so. (laughs) I've not seen the new one. Have Have
0: you seen... Have you seen the big ones like The Lion King? No. Crikey. Because we have some friends who are very much um, Disney, Pixar, etc. fans. Yeah, like, I've watched some
1: If it's a Disney princess film, guarantee you've never seen it. Um, so
0: you've never seen Tangled?
1: No, that one I think I have seen.
0: All right. I think, okay, good, I think that's on. the only one. I don't think I've ever seen Frozen and that was kind of big when we were growing up yeah I'm
1: not seen it either I,
0: re- I didn't really get re- behind I mean I was a 14 year old boy I didn't want to kind of go and watch a film about a Disney princess no um, I think I'd rather just watch football and on football sad news about West Brom
1: what, I, was what's, that this hap- week? what's happened now
0: was that this week or was that last week? I don't know. What... Did we talk about this last week? I don't
1: know. I don't know what you're going to say.
0: Oh, what? Just with West Brom getting mathematically relegated? Oh, that was ages ago. Was that ages ago? Yeah. All of my time's kind of blurring together now. Yeah,
1: I heard Wes and I thought you were going to say Wes Morgan's retiring.
0: Wes Morgan's retiring? Yeah, you're not heard.
1: He's retiring after the season.
0: To be fair, he is... Thirty-seven, which is relatively old for an outfield football player. Yeah, I know that Sol Bamba's now cancer-free. Yeah,
1: I saw that. That was very good as well.
0: It is very good. He played quite a lot of games for for Leeds. I know a couple of um, older Leeds players are stepping down at the end of this season, which is I, kind of.
1: Yeah, I saw that. What are they? Are they going to free agents, or are they sort of retiring?
0: I, I don't. I'm not really sure. I know the the two ones we're talking about is Berardi and Hernandez, right? And I think they're both about mid thirties. Yeah. I, and I I'm quite impressed by Berardi really, because the last game of last season he tore his ACL. Yeah. And he still managed to come back and play last match. Yeah. So but I, I'm not sure whether they're um.
1: They're the sort They might. They're the sort of awkward age where it's almost like either that's the last contract or the next one's going to be the last contract.
0: Yeah, and I don't know kind of what they're going to do because I'm not... I don't. I think they're retiring from Leeds or leaving Leeds because it's quite intense, the Premier League. Yeah. Maybe they're going to go somewhere where the quality is not as large.
1: They're probably going because they can't get game time.
0: Yeah, probably that as well. But I think it's because I think it's difficult because they're obviously quite good players, but a lot of Bielsa's game plan is energy, right, and running and um like that. You've got to be the fittest of the fit, right? So at the end of the day, if you need somebody to buy into this kind of fi- football philosophy, would you rather have a th- a thirty a mid thirty year old or kind of a twenty mid twenty year old? Because at the end of the day, one of them's going to be there for a lot longer. And are probably more likely to be physically fitter.
1: Yeah, but see, the thing is, with that, like, you need some of the older plays for the experience.
0: True. Like, but a I couple think... of
1: seasons ago, we had we had Wes Houlihan, who sat on the free from Norwich. He was a fantastic player as well. He just didn't really have the legs as much. Like, you needed someone else to go up with him. When you had that, he was fantastic. Um, he's Who's he playing for now? He's playing for Cambridge now. I think you left us.
0: Where's Hoolan playing for Cambridge?
1: Yeah, you left us, went to play in Australia for a year, then came back here to play for Cambridge. Um, and the other one was Tyrone Mears, I think, who was 36, 37 when we signed him good right back but we'd start to play him right mid every time so it was awful
0: yeah it's um, it's difficult with age in football players because they, they can play you can have players who play such a long amount of time for you and when they kind of they're losing their legs a bit it's quite it's almost upsetting yeah that they can't because like with Hernandez I've been a season tick holder now for three four years maybe and he's kind of been in I've been watching him for the last three four years and he scored some really important goals and he's quite passionate about it and now it's as soon as we got to the summit and we were in the Premier League it, he can't kind of do it anymore yeah it's a shame it didn't happen for us a couple years earlier because then he would have played more in the Premier League yeah I think it will be interesting because I, I think he's playing all of these players in the last match of the season right as kind of a sentimental thing because it's it doesn't really matter we can't do we can't kind of we can't go lower than 10th yeah. right which is where we are and for us to go to 9th it's all like relative we have to win and there and somebody else has to lose so at the end of the day the match doesn't really mean that much yeah so he's going to play all these players for kind of sentimental reasons in front of the fans as well But the question I kind of was thinking about, if we got a penalty, who would he have take the penalty?
1: Yeah, you've got a point there.
0: Because would it it be kind of your normal penalty taker for the goal? Or would it be one of these players that's going to leave so they can have kind of a moment? Because, I mean, Hernandez has played loads and loads of football, but he's never scored a Premier League goal for Leeds. Yeah, the same as Berardi and people like this. Exactly.
1: So you, you've either got to hope for another penalty, or you got a shit of favoritism. Essentially, but personally, if it was just one of them was leaving, and let them take it. If it's both of them, uh, and they're both playing and on the field at the same time, I'd just give it to the normal penalty taker.
0: And I, to be fair, I think that if we got a penalty, we'd probably give it to Hernandez on the fact that. Berardi is a centre-back, whereas Hernandez is kind of an attacking midfielder. Yeah. So I suppose Hernandez is more used to scoring goals. But I remember Berardi's first match for Leeds because he got sent off in his first match. Nice. Yeah. But enough about football. I have heard through the grapevine that you have a conspiracy for me.
1: I do. The grapevine of it being a regular feature on every single podcast podcast. Um, Yeah,
0: and me asking, what's the conspiracy about this week at a start? (laughs) Yes,
1: after about four takes of you forgetting. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so anyone that knows me knows I do quite like my trains, Um, especially the abandoned type. Um, So we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the uh, metro system under Moscow, uh, the one that's rumoured to be uh, there or not there. Um, now, I've got one under London um, and specifically under BBC Broadcasting House. Um, now, that's a rumour that's been around for many decades. Um, finding anything about it is difficult. Uh, I've been searching the interwebs for a number of weeks trying to find an article on it um, and I finally found one. Um, so, this is the uh, sort of theory rumour. That there's a tunnel going to BBC Broadcasting House, um, for a platform for the dedicated um, building itself. Um, Now, the whole setting of BBC Broadcasting House, it lies just above the Bakerloo line, in between the stations of Regent Street and Portland Place. Um, a section of which the station actually lies pretty much directly above the line. Now, what they used to be, uh, there was recent renovation of the Broadcasting House building um, and right at the bottom of the building there was, a, how, as it is described, a labyrinthian basement um, which was built before, I think, 1941 it was built, um, known as the Stronghold it was an old World War II bunker. Um, when it was built, it was fully equipped with studios, support equipment, and one studio was even maintained all the way up until its demolition. Um, the stronghold, uh, although underground was the only building at that position, the rest of the building was built um, around the concrete bunker later after the war. Um, within the stronghold there was a staircase that led down two flights and effectively ended at a brick wall. This was known as the stairway to nowhere and it's suggested that this staircase was in fact a blocked entrance to a Bay Clue line platform. Uh, this is doubted of course but you, there have been evidence of saying yes and evidence of saying no. Um, one of the big things against this was it was actually quite a distance from the Bakerloo line both horizontally and vertically um, numerously uh, I think it's about there need to be a shaft 100 feet down um, and horizontally to reach the line um, other theories going along it uh, when Broadcasting House was built in 1932 uh, it was provided with its own water supply um, and there was a tunnel built uh, 600 feet down into the soft chalk below the building uh, it was never intended that this be used as a water supply um, but it was it's never been used uh, and until recently was sealed under a trap door beneath on the studios um, people suggested this once again goes down to a platform um, some believe there's access from the basement directly to the station um, there, have, People have seen plans for Broadcasting House, so I have managed to see some of the original ones um, and people have spoken to people that have seen them as well including, notice to be written here, Lieutenant Colonel G. Valmeyer uh, who designed the original structure. Uh, not a single one of these plans shows access to the Underground. Um, so if it is, it's off the maps. Um, And a couple of other final theories, Uh, another one, Um, the broadcasting house was hit by several bombs uh, in 1940. As a result, the BBC's chief civil engineer suggested building a series of low level security tunnels which would have included an 80 feet shaft down to the Bakerloo line as a means of escape. Uh, This was projected quickly after being too expensive. and the famous one that people believe there was a sign above a uh, door to the machine room in Broadcasting House. That said, access to the Bakerloo line. Uh, anyone that realises uh, or knows the London Underground, realise it's actually in the wrong font. Uh, so that's the sort of uh, conspiracy theory. Whether it's true or not, uh, we may never know. Um, but there has been Extensive refurbishment of broadcasting house over the past couple of decades, Um, especially a lot of the foundations. So it's believed that it would have come up in those refurbishments if it was actually there. That's basically it.
0: So they reckon that underneath what what was it called again? The broadcasting Broadcasting House. house. Yeah. Right. They reckon that there is access to a tube station, was it? Yeah, they,
1: they reckon there's a, a separate line built and a platform. Well, a platform individually uh, that gives access straight to Broadcasting House.
0: Why specifically below Broadcasting House? What's the most... Is, is that is Broadcasting House that special?
1: It's because it lies directly on the Bakerloo line pretty much.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that, but why what is the grand thing about um, Broadcasting House which means that it needs kind of a secret entrance to the line?
1: Well, if you think how old the uh, tube system is, um, so it was around pre-war. BBC has been around since before then as well. Um, Especially through the war, the BBC, especially a lot of the radio studios, hence the reason for the stronghold as well. Um, They need to continue broadcasting. So it could be, um, say, if Broadcasting House was flattened in a bombing raid, um, people broadcasting from the stronghold. could be access um, or means of escape. Um, But they've been taught... I think at some point I read a rumour of there being one on the Downing Street as well.
0: See, that makes quite a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, um... But, like I said, these could just be people picking landmarks and saying there's one up underneath. Um, I, like I said, I, it's a really hard one to find anything on. Um, if you've been into um, the whole sort of history of the underground for as long as like I have, um, it's one you will have read about at some point. Then you remember it a few years later, but you can't for the life of you remember where you read about it. Um, yeah. because the page that I've got up uh, for notes for this isn't the one that I first read about
0: it on so so when you're a famous radio host Harry yes. and you work in Broadcasting House will you go and have a look? yes 100% <laughs> do, you, do you think it's there is genuinely a connection there between the the tube and bottom of Broadcasting House?
1: I think there's a connection. I don't think there's a platform. Um, I mean, the stronghold is massive. Um, like I said, it's a labyrinthine. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some access tunnel or maintenance tunnel that does go towards the tube. However, I don't believe someone built a platform there for
0: it. Because the platforms... Yeah, like a maintenance kind of thing is more... Realistic, whereas, entire platform that's a quite a big job, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be like a small maintenance platform that's I don't know 12 20 feet long, um, but that's highly unlikely.
0: And the other theory—what? what I was quite interested by the sign, right? But you said it was in the wrong font, yeah as in terms of do you think somebody just put it there to kind of fuel the rumor oh no that's
1: just, that's a known inside joke within like if you oh, work in if you've been in broadcasting house for a while um it's a known uh sort of inside joke um so over like a door in the back of a load of machine room so they put a sign saying access to the Bakerloo line um and it is the wrong font basically um, so it's written, it looks similar, um, but it's written in aerial. Uh, so it's not Transport London, which is the official London Underground signage font. Um, notable.
0: I didn't realise they had a kind of specific font. for Yeah,
1: the notable difference to it is um, the dot above the eye, um, it should be sort of sideways, sort of like diagonal diagonal, like diamond shaped Um, where it's actually square on aerial
0: and the L's are different shaped Are you a big fan of the London Underground then?
1: It's train history Um, I I like the abandoned nature of a lot of it Yeah Um, So a lot of stations have been shut Um, A lot you can go explore Uh, They do tours around some of them Um, But yeah it's it's like all sort of railways in the UK. I, I like them all.
0: Because I... Um, the tube used to petrify me when I was a bit younger. And I always found it was really hot. Oh, yeah. It made me quite uncomfortable. It's
1: still, it's still very hot. I went for an interview last year um, in January. Absolutely freezing. Um, On the tube somehow, I was absolutely sweating like mad.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever been on the uh, the Bakerloo line either, to be honest.
1: I honestly can't remember what lines I've been on. Uh, I know I've been on City and Hammersmith uh, and the Jubilee line. Because they're the ones I'm that are most a, recently now,
0: rode. I think I've been on the North North line. I, d- I, think, I can't really remember where I've been to in London, though. That's the issue. Yeah, um, I know what I, you mean. I thought... F- I found a lot of the time I didn't actually take the tube. I often walked. Like I'd I'd be somewhere quite outside the city and I'd get the tube in. Yeah. And then but when I was in London I just would walk everywhere. Yeah. Cuz I am a big fan of walking whereas if to be fair if you were in London a lot and you didn't have a lot of time and you were working it was pr- it's probably really helpful. Oh yeah, massively. Just having a look now. I I've, I've been on the northern line been on Victoria line you say you've been on the Hammersmith and City line
1: I think so yeah
0: I'm just having a look at the, the how old each of them are yeah So the oldest one currently is the Metropolitan line which is a hundred and sixty years old
1: Uh, something like that rounded I think is that yeah
0: whereas the newest one is the, the Jubilee line yeah but the 1979, what jubilee would that have been?
1: Uh, I didn't know it was a jubilee to be honest.
0: Is it named after a jubilee?
1: Uh, I don't know. Gosh,
0: I, my knowledge on, on this sort of stuff is pretty poor.
1: Uh, yeah, I so I uh, have to say that 1979 it opened with the last extension 1999. Um although sections of it were open between 1932, it was originally called the Fleet Line. Um, yeah. At times. Uh,
0: Nevertheless, the name was ultimately chosen for the line after Queen Elizabeth II's Silver Jubilee, following a pledge made by the Conservatives in the Greater London Council election of
1: 1977.
0: Yeah, There you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it was officially opened by the Prince of Wales. The Prince of Wales in 1979. How old... Gosh, I f- I forget how old the Prince of Wales actually is.
1: Yeah.
0: I also forget um how how old William's getting. He's like nearly 40, but, but I remember him like Yeah, I I remember him like You know when the when Kate Middleton got married to Prince William? Yeah. That was 10 years ago now, or like 9 years ago. I think
1: I think it was 11 years. It was 20 no, it's 2011, yeah, 10 years ago.
0: So 10 years ago, yeah. But that, to me, that feels like just... I remember watching it on TV.
1: I don't. I just remember the day of school.
0: Yeah, I remember, I remember the Queen's Diamond Jubilee as well. I do remember that, because that was the same year as uh, the London Olympics as well. Yeah. So the conspiracy for this week is that there is there were a lot of theories there so I'm just going to go with there's a connection between the Bakerloo line and Broadcasting House Yeah, that,
1: basically that the BBC has its own tube station that's yeah. essentially what the rumour is
0: and we've gone with probably is some sort of like maintenance hatch or maintenance platform but not an actual platform
1: somewhat I think is the word you're looking for yeah
0: yeah It's like vaguely connected, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a distant cousin. Yeah. (laughs) The last section I wanted to talk to you about... That was the poshest... The last section. Yeah, the last section. The last section I wanted to... I think it's because I've been um, spending some time with people recently who are quite posh. Uh, Not in a bad way, in terms of they speak a certain way. And I've been FaceTiming some people who are from places um a lot down down south so kind of your your Hampshire and your places like this yeah and I think you do slow you pick up dialect like I think you might um, you might have noticed, you might not have, but when I came back from I don't think you would have noticed but because I don't think you knew me that well at the time but the, when I went to Leeds for the first time I spent kind of Eight, nine months there. And then I came home and I'd picked up certain dialect. And like the way I said words, I started missing out. So I say, I, I started saying free, right? Why? Right. Quite a lot. Where, and that really annoyed my mum. So she, so certain things like this, you just kind of pick up off people, you know? Yeah. A bit like slang as well. So like we what might not have heard certain slang before. And if we hang out with people enough, you kind of pick it up. Yeah. But the last the last section we're going to talk about is kind of it's kind of a would you kind of do this thing? So I'll explain what I mean. So the first one is kind of if you could be a cabinet minister or kind of a prime minister the prime minister for a day, do you think you'd do it?
1: Would it get paid for
0: it? No.
1: Then probably not. Purely because the the amount of stress involved with it. Um, I don't think I'd want to do it just for a day. Because it it may seem fun. But I reckon a lot of... It is actually a lot more stressful than people realise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true. I'd quite like to... If if I was... I, I think it'd be interesting. But like you say, it'd be stressful. Yeah. It's a bit like... Like you'd see loads like if you were the home secretary or the foreign secretary you'd see a lot right and you'd go into buildings you would never would have gone into before and you'd get chauffeured everywhere and all of that stuff would be quite nice but there'd also be a lot of stress with it because you probably have loads of deadlines to meet people to talk to it'd be quite a rapid day as well yeah whereas something like if you could be the monarch for a day it'd probably be a lot more um Ceremonial, I think.
1: I mean, chances are you, you might not even be doing anything.
0: Yeah. That is that is the point. I don't know what the Queen does on a day to day basis, to be honest.
1: I reckon uh, a lot of Call of Duty and Mac's takeaways.
0: Yeah. She's in peak condition, our Queen, after all those Big Macs. Yeah. But she. She um, spoons regular. Do you think she. T- I think she must do a lot of kind of. Especially in current climate, she must do a lot of like Zoom calls and stuff with ambassadors and certain stuff like this because she can't kind of go out and do this sort of thing anymore. So, normally, she'd be on like a royal visit somewhere, or she'd open somewhere, or she'd meet ambassadors, so kind of this sort of stuff. But it must be difficult in the current climate f- for somebody like the Queen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the second one is would you what would you do if you kind of i put elon musk here but i really mean like a billionaire and you had nothing to do and you had all of this money what would you do if you were them for a day spend it what, what would you spend it on
1: everything i mean <laughs> is you got billions what what can't you spend it on
0: so i was thinking i quite like to go to a um kind of a car Dealership and buy a new car outright. I buy Liechtenstein. Th- the country. Yeah. Can I don't think you can buy a sovereign state, can you? I
1: mean, they rented it out, so I don't see why you can't buy it.
0: Wait, what? They they rented out their country. Yeah,
1: a couple of years ago, for like twenty odd grand a night, you could rent Liechtenstein.
0: What? Yeah. I I had no idea this was. Yeah, I was thing. on Airbnb what lichtenstein yeah that's a bit a bit nuts i didn't realize that was a thing
1: yeah it was mad expensive but you could do it.
0: Uh, yeah to be honest i'm not surprised it's mad expensive it's an entire con- yeah but what does what does that mean for like the people of lichtenstein
1: i don't i didn't read into it properly
0: i th- i think and i'd quite like to go and buy a car outright because i don't think i'll ever do that because i don't normally i don't see the point right because i think it's more expensive yeah well it is more expensive but if i had infinite money practically i I would just go and do it because i can you know yeah i'd also go out somewhere to i think i get a first class train somewhere i might have some dinner somewhere posh that i probably won't be able to go to the next day like, I don't know, the Shard... Can you eat food in the Shard? Is it the Shard that so, you eat food? And places like this. And then, I think I just end up going to the pub and paying the tab for everybody. <laughs> but the the issue with this, I was thinking about this, the issue with this is at 6 o'clock or whenever I got to the pub, I'd say, oh, I'll pay for a beer drinks tonight, here's the card, put it behind the bar. If... If we go into the night, so past midnight, maybe then the card kind of doesn't work anymore because it's past a certain amount of time. And then I'd be stuck with a hefty bill.
1: Um, I don't... I don't know. Um, It depends how you do it, I guess.
0: Yeah, true. I don't think you can prepay. Oh, maybe the logical thing to do in that situation then would be to go and get cash out. Yeah. Are that, surely that is what you'd do. Because you could trick the system. Because if you only with them for a day, and so you could only have their credit card for a day, just go get a bunch of cash out, and then you can give the credit card back. Yeah. Although, is that, like, stealing? No, it's your is money. Is that immoral?
1: It's your money. You're donating it to a good friend of yours, which is yourself.
0: True. I think... The issue with um, having infinite money is that you kind of you you kind of won, then haven't you? you? You kind of won if you've got infinite money. Whereas, I quite like having something to work for. I feel like it gives me more meaning. With what? Job? But then again, but no. But like, I'm doing university degree so I can do this, so I can do this, so I can do this. But I suppose there's nothing to stop me doing all of those things. If money wasn't an issue anyway. I suppose you just have to try and find satisfaction. It's, it's a bit sad, really, that you kind of... A lot of the time you work for for money rather than working kind of to be happy. Yeah. Although I suppose money, money might be able to help you in your pursuit of happiness.
1: Yeah, it's possible.
0: But I don't know. I think maybe one thing I'd quite like to work on is try and find... Um, other goals and other things uh to kind of work for rather than just monetary gain you know yeah but but on on that i think we'll bring it to an end this week so that's goodbye from me kieran
1: and goodbye for me harry